0: Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty
1: podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to Felony Friday right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Felony Friday is the show where each and every Friday I focus on finding and exposing injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Now, Felony Friday is one show on the Lions of Liberty podcast. We also have two other shows, a Monday and a Wednesday show. Every Monday, that is our flagship show hosted by Mark Claire. It's our longest running feature on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And Mark has just started a new thing he's calling Letters of Liberty, where he's reaching out to you guys, the Lions of Liberty listeners, for questions. Now, you can submit your questions by joining the Lions of Liberty Forum. That's one way. The Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook. That's our online Facebook group. You can join that by just punching in the the top search bar at Facebook, Lions of Liberty Forum. It'll pop up and you can join. And you can submit any liberty-related question you have. You want to ask him about libertarian philosophy. You want to ask him about how he feels about a certain uh, Donald Trump policy and how that relates to liberty. Whatever you feel like. And, of course, on Wednesday, we have Brian McWilliams and his new show, Electric Liberty Land. It's a current event show with a a touch of comedy mixed in. Be sure to check it out. It's been a big hit so far, and we're getting a lot of great feedback from it. Now, today on Felony Friday, I'll be bringing Mark Clare, who I just talked about, be bringing him on the show to talk about a couple of very important issues. We're going to talk about Donald Trump's immigration executive order. We're going to talk about the shooting that occurred last week at a mosque in Quebec. I'm going to talk through those issues. Plus, we have several issues in the different states, some local issues, some felonies trending in the news there that we want to sort through and analyze. Now, before I bring on Mark to talk about these felonies, I do want to let you guys know where you can find the show notes for today's show. You can find them at lionsofliberty.com FF57. And one last announcement before we start this show, I do want to encourage everyone to check out our brand new online store, the Lions of Liberty store. You can find it at lionsofliberty.store. We're selling T-shirts right now. We have three different designs, very cool designs, creative designs. Be sure to check them out. Uh, We're selling them in long sleeve, short sleeve shirts, three quarter length shirts. We have a really cool uh, baseball shirt with our uh, our one logo. Looks like a PBR beer logo that says Lions of Liberty. Perfect shirt to uh, settle down And listen to some libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor as you sip some whiskey. Or maybe you can take it out to wear it to a baseball game. Or maybe take it out, you can wear it to uh, play some real sports. Whatever you feel like it. But be sure to to check out the store. All the proceeds are pumped right back into this podcast. They're going to help us to produce more content. Help us to hopefully someday expand this show And obviously, the most important thing to us as people that love liberty is we want to reach a wider audience and amplify our voice. So it'll really help us do that. So we do appreciate it. My guest today is Lions of Liberty podcast host, Mark Clare. You've probably heard of him. If you haven't heard of him, you probably haven't listened to the Lions of Liberty podcast. He is the host of our flagship show, the longest running show, which is our Monday show now. And as I said, we do have three shows on this Lions of Liberty podcast. Mark's show on Monday, Brian's show on Wednesday, and of course this show, Felony Friday. So Mark, it's great to have you back on Felony Friday once again. It's great to be here,
0: Odie, and I, kind of don't take this the wrong way, but I feel like every time I'm on Felony Friday with you, I, it's relaxing to me because I kind of feel like I have a substitute teacher, if you know what I mean, because when I usually prepare for my interviews, I it's not someone I've spoken to before, so I got to do all this research. I've got all these questions and topics, and, and I'm just kind of not nervous at really at this point, but, you know, there's a little bit of like, all right, I got to be serious, but hey, I'm coming on Felony Friday. It's just old substitute teacher Odie. We're just going to watch a movie and have a good time, talk about some felonies. I'm excited.
1: Is that a nice way of saying it? you're just mailing it in? Yeah. Uh,
0: I guess you could call it that, but I don't like <laughs> to think of it that way. I'm going to bring my all. It's just it's uh,
1: spontaneous. Yeah, it'll be spontaneous. Okay. You haven't put a ton of thought into it. I like that. Exactly. That's what I like in Felonies. Let it flow. All right. Well, let's start the flow. Start talking about some criminal justice issues. We're going to talk about, I guess this is a criminal justice issue. I think it is because it is affecting people. People are being detained. Um, they are being detained really without so much due process. And that is Donald Trump's new Immigration executive order. And it's been all the rage, of course, if you're on the Facebooks or if you're doing anything watching CNN or any of the cable news shows, all you hear about is how Hitler, also known as Donald Trump, is now waging a war against religion. He's uh, singled out Muslims and he's not letting any of them into the United States. That's what you would believe if you were to believe what is coming through on the people freaking out on Facebook and the uh, cable news channels. But of course, It's not really that. Of course, there's more to the story. There's no Muslim ban. This is a ban with seven specific countries, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Somalia, Sudan, Libya, and Yemen. And people from those countries who have a visa, who have a U.S. visa, are not permitted into the United States. And there's also some additional things with this executive order where there's uh, 120 days where Syrian refugees or not, No, not Syrian refugees. Refugee admission overall is delayed for 120 days, and Syrian refugees are barred indefinitely from coming into the United States. I mean, obviously, there's definitely some concerns here. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't. I don't like this order. I just don't think it's being portrayed accurately in the media it's being portrayed as a muslim ban as trump being sort of like a hitler and just prohibiting muslims from coming into the country and really there's a little more to it so what are your thoughts on this
0: well i don't think we would look at hitler all that bad historically if, if his biggest thing was uh controlling immigration a little bit from certain parts certain war torn areas as usual the hyperbole seems to outpace the reality with trump i don't want to downplay it because i don't like you i don't i'm not a fan of the executive order especially considering when it relates to people that currently have visas. I mean, there are people that thought they had every reason to be flying back to the United States and got caught in the middle of this and ended up detained. Some people I've heard without access to lawyers and that kind of thing and I think that is a serious issue. I don't think anybody especially somebody who already had a legal clearance, already had every reason to believe that they were legally allowed to enter the country suddenly they find themselves either being detained or in some cases I've seen being sent back and I think that's a problem. At the same time, I mean Yeah, it's not a Muslim ban. There might be legitimate criticisms of why it doesn't apply to Saudi Arabia and Pakistan, but as with a lot of Trump's executive orders, they're based largely on pre existing laws. I mean, almost all of them. The border wall, that's a bill that was passed in 2006. They never fully funded it or fully finished it, but there's existing law that calls for a border wall. Of course, that bill called a defense, but without that law, Donald Trump could not really execute the orders that he's giving on the wall. Uh, Same thing goes for this refugee ban. Obama did something similar in 2011 when it came to Iraqis. He's had a six-month ban on that. I don't remember any hoopla, so I don't know if that's because Iraq is not a big deal to to progressives or... I I don't want to combine this to progressives. There are people of all political ilks that are upset about this temporary ban, for decent reason, like I said before. But my real problem with, just with everything Trump-related, is how reality gets distorted. And instead of arguing the actual policy and the actual executive order. We have to argue against a Muslim ban because that's what they're calling it. It just drives me crazy. And I, you know what? I've had people tell me, no, but you're just mincing words. They really do want to make it a Muslim ban. And maybe they do. I'm not saying they don't want it to be a Muslim ban, but this isn't that. So we can't call it that
1: because it certainly doesn't help when Rudy Giuliani comes out on the the sunday talk shows and says that donald trump wanted a muslim it man, does not help and this is the best we could do <laughs> yeah. it basically that's what he and, said and
0: maybe that's what he wants maybe it is and for that You're reason right. we should definitely be vigilant but we can't take something that's not that act like it's that and then fight against the, the fake thing fight against the made-up issue we have to debate the actual issues and the realities at hand and i think this is where the trump hysteria just detracts from the issues because they spend all their energy you know pushing a certain ideologies. You know, I, I saw some chants at one of the airport demonstrations. I think it went something like no nations, no borders. You know, some people are in this with a different ideology, not just opposed to the specific civil liberties issues with people with visas getting detained at airports. And I'm sure I mean, many people are upset about that. And These are legitimate things to be upset about. But I think there's a broader sort of weird Marxist ideology to some of this, saying that all borders are legitimate and all humans should be able to go anywhere they want. And a lot of libertarians feel that way. And I think that, you know, the immigration, Scott Horton said this on the show a couple weeks ago on on my program, Uh, he said, you know, libertarians policy-wise basically agree on everything except immigration. I think there's a few other things libertarians disagree on, maybe abortion and intellectual property. But when it comes down to the basics, that is one issue that I just think is complicated because in a quote unquote private property society, there's going to be borders, whether there's going to be communities, they're going to only allow certain people in or or out of their community. And that would be perfectly in in line with libertarianism. Now, in our current society, most of our borders are arbitrary. They were drawn hundreds of years ago. They weren't based really on private property. So this complicates issues. Um, But I, I don't know if open borders and no immigration controls at all is a solution that I'm in agreement with, but I would like to make things as easy as humanly possible for people to come here. But we live in a complicated world.
1: Yeah. And speaking of it, I think something that is always missed when we talk about immigration, and not that we're really talking specifically about immigration here. This is more about processes, visas and whatnot, people just trying to get to work really in the United States. But with immigration specifically, something that's never talked about is the ease of actually becoming illegal immigrant. Everyone's always, you know, talking about how many illegal immigrants there are. All these people come over and they're, you know, they're taking the resources of the United States government. They're not paying taxes, which isn't true. A lot of illegal immigrants, which you've talked about before, are paying taxes, and they're probably never going to get anything in return for it if they're paying into Social Security and things like that. But the thing that no one ever talks about is it's impossible for a lot of illegal immigrants to become legal immigrants just because of the cost burden. They don't have 15,000, 20,000, or even more than that sometime to hire a lawyer to file all the paperwork to become a legal immigrant. So it's not impossible. So, to your point, Mark, I think all libertarians, all liberty-minded people, all liberals, I think, also should probably agree that the first thing we need to do is really make it easier for good people, people who want to come here and contribute to labor, contribute their resources, contribute value to society, make it easier for them to actually join society and break that border down by making it easier for people to be legal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to refugees and and people that are in tough situations, I don't think there's an easy solution because I think, I mean, yeah, America should bring people in, should allow people to come here and build a better life. But when a lot of people now are talking about bringing in refugees, what they really mean is the government should pay for refugees to live here for X amount of time or an indefinite amount of time. And that's wrong, too. You can't be taking resources from other people and saying we're going to use these resources to bring in unlimited amounts of people because that's just impossible to sustain. So, I mean, I proposed something on Facebook earlier uh, in the week in our uh, our Lions of Liberty forum, which you can, of course, find by searching Lions of Liberty forum on Facebook plug time i propose like hey let all refugees in let all immigrants in so long as they are sponsored by an american citizen someone who's a property owner something like that and that person is, is financially responsible for them for getting them on their feet for housing them and that that person cannot be reliant on the government and perhaps i mean i don't know exactly how it works it could, could get tricky it could be a tricky uh, is it a crime situation but some level of responsibility if like a refugee comes in sponsored by mark claire and, and two weeks later that refugee you know Shoots people up. Maybe I should be held responsible in some way, maybe not for the exact crime they committed unless I am found to be, you know, an actual accomplice, but somehow tying responsibility for the potential actions of refugees, which, you know, refugees are not the ones who have committed any terrorist acts in the United States, I'd like to point out, but to make people feel a little bit better, you know, maybe we can say there's an extra layer of responsibility if any terrorist act or a murder or something like that is committed.
1: I definitely agree with you there, but that is a dicey issue. Responsibility—if somebody's bringing over, you know, hundreds of people—well,
0: yeah, I think it has to be in reason. Like, you can't—I yeah. obviously can't say like, "Oh, I'm cool. Yeah, I'll bring in two thousand refugees" because I don't have a house that can possibly uh, hold two thousand refugees. But on a family by family basis, uh, and I think a lot of these people need to put their money where their mouth is. If you are in favor of refugees and you want to bring in X amount of refugees, maybe you should sponsor a refugee. I don't even think that's possible right now. I think the the way we have things set up here, you can't just do that. So I'm, I'm not even saying that these people are jerks yeah. for not doing so, but maybe that's the kind of system we should look at.
1: It's a creative idea, and that's what we need there more of. I mean, thinking outside the box, and that's what libertarians are all about. So <laughs> you need to get that idea out there. Maybe write a book about it. I don't know. Maybe someday. You're probably I'm a little busy with this whole podcast know. thing right now. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. I just want to touch on um, one thing that is, I think is kind of strange from from over last weekend. This you're listening to this on Friday. This shooting that occurred in Quebec this past weekend in a mosque, and of course, some things will come out from the time we're recording this. Mark and I to go behind the curtain here, we're recording this on a Monday. So this is the Monday after this shooting. So more might come out that might make us look stupid here. Impossible. Well, we already look stupid or sound stupid, but this might make us stupider if that's possible. But anyway, so some of the information that came out is kind of strange. Soon after, police said that there were two men arrested. One of the men, Mohammed Kadir or Qadar, they've since retracted his name saying that he was a witness and they haven't said why he was arrested, but they're saying he's not a suspect. The other man... Alexander Bissonette, I, I don't know. My French is not very good, or but. What is mine? Gotta call up JB for this one. Can't lean. yeah. I should have had JB on for this one, huh? But <laughs> that's an inside joke there. But anyway, this guy apparently is a suspect. He's a, a student at a nearby university there. And I guess he is the one that is is being blamed for the shooting. But the weird thing about this, it doesn't make any sense. This guy goes into the mosque. He's yelling, you know, Alu Akbar. And he's shooting people, killing, I believe, with six people, injuring many more. And then he gets away, leaves. Then he calls 911 20 minutes later, gives him his location, confesses, and they go and pick him up. I don't know. It just kind of raises a red flag for me. It just doesn't seem, seems like something's missing there. Seems like a, a piece is, is missing. when the
0: Alex Jonesy part of my brain starts to get
1: churning. I guess it is. It's like, I can't let that sit. Oh, I don't clearly know. I the media is lying to you. They tell you a
0: Muslim name, then they retract the name, and then you, there's a white guy turns himself into the police. Seems all too convenient. Anyway, be sure to go and buy some super male vitality.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right, except Alex Jones probably... Probably now he's probably not a conspiracy theorist because Trump's president. And that's his guy. So he's got to believe Conspiracies everything. Conspiracies are think. over, guys, for at least four years.
0: <laughs> now, it does seem very strange. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of directions we can go here. We can go super uh, in the direction my buddy Greg Carwood or, or appreciate a uh, look at MKUltra and mind control type things. Because uh, those are situations where you've seen and look, uh, people might listening right now, I'd be like, oh, God, now we're getting into conspiracy territory Google MK ultra That's a real thing. So that's an admitted thing that existed at one point. A CIA program to essentially brainwash people. Now, whether or not we've seen instances of that in real life is that's the part that's up for questionable debate. But uh, there's no debate that was a real program. So, you know, maybe this was a, a brainwashed person who was programmed to shoot up a mosque for some strange reason. Maybe there was not a person involved. Maybe this is just a normal thing, but I, the weird thing is calling the cops afterward. I, that does seem very strange. Jeez, it's clearly a felony. I know that to, The extent of my analysis in regards to how we look at things on this program, it's a felony, but it's a weird one. I mean, I guess the most rational explanation I could think of would might be like that for whatever reason, this guy wanted to go shoot up a mosque and kill Muslims or what have you, maybe ironically is shouting Allahu Akbar. Or something like that. Maybe he's shouting that in mockery. He kills people and then, you know, gets over his, his moment of rage and realizes like, oh, like the police are going to come kill me. Like I'm going to die. And maybe he just decided he didn't want to die in a shootout or a police chase. So, so sort of, quote unquote, came to his senses in a sense and uh, called the police to just turn himself in because he didn't want to get shot. I don't know. I, that's the best I can think of for how this could make sense
1: anything's possible. So who the heck knows? I, I just wanted to bring it up because it wasn't sitting right with me. I want to talk about it real quickly. We're going to move on now through and talk about some felonies trending in the news that I picked out. First one we're going to talk about comes from Louisiana. And Louisiana, there's a, uh, a sheriff, the St. Martinsville Police Sheriff, Chief Calder Herbert. He's using a Blue Lives Matter bill that was passed in August of 2016. He's using it to make... Resisting arrest, essentially a felony hate crime, or it could be a felony hate crime, which really was not in the actual context of the bill when it was passed. That was not the intention of the bill. I mean, the intention, obviously, it's a Blue Lives Matters bill, Blue Lives talking about police officers. The intention was to protect police officers so they're not getting you know targeted and uh, categorizing that as a hate crime. And we've talked about many times on this show before about do hate crimes make sense? Are they fair? I would say you know, No, we don't need hate crimes. We need equality under the law. If somebody assaults a police officer or assaults Mark Claire, it should be the same crime. Sorry to bring you into in the comparison there, know. Mark. I might
0: argue you should get a slightly higher charge for assaulting a libertarian podcaster. No?
1: Yeah, maybe. Oh, it's possible, yeah. <laughs> I could buy that. I could buy that. But this one is particularly troubling because really – and one of the examples they give in this article, which I'll link to in the show notes – Talking about really, somebody could be convicted, or could be charged with charge and convicted of felony resisting arrest and spend up to ten years in prison. Just say they're out protesting, and a cop comes up and, and grabs their arm to arrest them for and charge them with protesting or with some other crime, trespass, some other crime oh, goes along
0: with that. Hopefully, that's not the charge.
1: If, if they, uh, yeah, protesting in Trump's America, no protesting. <laughs> if you like, pull your arm away, or it can be, you know cops construe all kinds of stuff as resisting arrest. So it's really troubling that cops would have that tool uh, in this Louisiana town to really, you know, use willy-nilly whenever they want to and slap, you know, felony 10-year sentences on people. So what do you think of this bill? Well,
0: it's a slippery slope whenever we try to apply The law, or create bills that apply laws differently to certain classes or certain groups of people. This is actually a subject I touched on in an interview I did with uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, which you guys will hear not next week, but the week after that, episode 282, it'll be. And uh, you know, it's it's just it's a slippery slope. Whenever you put in possibly even well-intentioned laws like this, I mean, everyone, no one likes racism or crimes related to violence that are based on racism. But you can't just create a special extra layer of legal issues because of the motivation for a crime or even a perceived motivation of a crime, especially because, A, that's so subjective in the first place. Who's to necessarily say what a motivation was? I mean, it's, in some cases, it might be very obvious. Someone might say, I hate black people, then go kill black people. OK, well, that would be obvious. Uh, Dylan Roof, he's a pretty obvious one. Um, others' situations might be a little more sticky. You know, if someone is protesting and an officer perceives them as resisting arrest, which, as we've seen... If you lay on the ground and like don't move, you're resisting arrest. Like if, if they if you don't put your arm behind your back as fast as they like, you can be called resisting arrest. You sometimes see people arrested only for resisting arrest,
1: which seems crazy. You've seen the videos before, you know. Cops are arresting somebody. They're as they're you know pounding them with their club. Stop resisting. Stop yeah, resisting. they yell that
0: so they can because. later use that as a charge and say, yeah, you see, he's resisting. There, exactly. so you can hear me saying, stop resisting. So that's all the evidence you need it's a very slippery slope so i mean we've talked about this a few times before but you can't create a protected class of people whether it's blacks whether it's police whether it's i think we had one a few episodes ago or not a few episodes ago but a few appearances ago for me on this program where we talked about a bill uh that had a special class for assaulting uh high school sports referees
1: <laughs> if you remember that one i mean oh yeah that was a way out. i do we, remember we just that can't one because keep... because yeah because there was a referee that was I think that was killed by a, a player an adult player that punched him in the head. Yeah. Yeah, like I
0: have no I, no doubt that a lot of these laws are put into place with good intentions. No one wants to see a referee get assaulted. It's already illegal to assault people. It's already illegal to kill people. You don't need extra laws. It should if someone really assaults a police officer, prosecute him all day long. I don't care. Prosecute anyone that gets assaulted or that yeah, commits assault, I should say, but you shouldn't get an extra you know if you punch me, it should be the same punishment as going and punching you know Joe Copper down the street. <laughs>
1: I agree. I agree. So we'll just keep moving on. Next one here, we're gonna talk about this crazy story that I'm sure everyone's heard of. I don't know if they know the details behind it though. This came out last week. There was a police officer in Arizona who was attacked, who was shot after he stopped at the he stopped at the scene of a crime on a Arizona highway, in like the middle of the night. There's a car overturned. There's two people laying by it, and this cop stops to check it out, and he gets shot. You know, one of the guys, the guy who got ejected from the car was was still alive, and shoots him. He goes up to him. He starts punching this cop in the head. And just when that's happening, another car pulls up. And this guy pulls up. And in Arizona, it's legal to have uh, your pistol, your firearm, in your glove box there loaded. So he had it right there loaded, pulls it out, positions himself as not to shoot the officer, to shoot the guy attacking the officer, and shoots this guy. The guy gets off the officer and then starts to come after him. And that's when this man, Thomas Yoksall, I believe, Yoxal, I don't know if that's how you well, pronounce you it. We just got
0: to accept that if you're in a news story on this program, your name's getting butchered. <laughs> Why is every name so <laughs> ridiculous? It's never, yeah, Smith never or... Mike
1: Smith doing
0: this stuff. Anyway. <laughs> hey, Mike Smith to the world. Get out there and do more stuff that's felony related.
1: <laughs> Get out there, Mike Smith, you son of a bitch. But anyway, Thomas Yoxall shoots this guy in the head, killing him. Saving this cop's life, probably. But the twist part of this story is this guy, Thomas Yoxall, a 43-year-old maintenance supervisor, has a criminal past, which included he was convicted of some felony theft back in the day. So he had a felony record, but he had the gun legally because he had that felony expunged. So this is a former felon who had his gun rights restored that stepped in and saved the cop's life. What a story. What a, it should be all over it the is news. Why isn't this story. all over I mean, the news? You should be seeing it. Anywhere.
0: I don't want to call anything that involves someone getting assaulted violently and someone dying a great story, but it's a great story. I'm sorry. It's a great story because it really illustrates, you know, the importance of gun rights, the importance of the right to defend ourselves, and something you have talked about for years, well before you did the Felony Friday podcast, is the issue of felons and how their rights are taken away. And thank God that this felony was expunged from his record. Thank God he was able to legally have his loaded gun in his glove compartment because I'm telling you what, that sure as heck ain't legal for anybody, felon or not, out here in California. And if the same incident occurred in California, that police officer would probably be dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is it is a great story. You know, it's, it's something that you don't see often because obviously a lot of former felons don't have these rights. It's only certain states where you're able to actually get felonies expunged, and actually get your gun rights back. And still to this day, it's it's kind of interesting. One of the most popular articles, maybe some of our, our new fans, our new listeners to the Lions of Liberty podcast don't know that we did used to write a lot on our website. So if you do want to check that out, go to lionsofliberty.com and check out some of our articles. But I wrote Felony Friday, I wrote a column every Friday long before I uh, started doing this podcast. And one of the most popular articles was felons getting their Second Amendment rights restored. And it still gets hits all the time because people with felony records, obviously, I mean, just imagine getting out of jail and you're back into civilization and you've had your right to defend yourself stripped away. So there's a lot of people out there that are just looking for ways, any way to get that right back, to be able to be on a level playing field where they can defend their life, defend their family's life, defend their property. And it's sad that Unfortunately, most felons at this point in time, they'll never get that right back unless something drastically changes, which in today's climate with Jeff Sessions, the law and order attorney general, I I really don't see that happening. But it is great to see a story like this. This is a great story to share with people, to show them that everyone who went to jail is not a scary felon that people do, you know, come out. This guy was convicted of felony theft. He he did commit a crime, but he reformed himself and he's a uh, he's a hero now and a a valuable member of society. So this is a great story to share with people. I do want to move on now. We're going to play America's fastest growing podcast game. Is this a crime and should anyone do time? I can't wait. I love it. My favorite podcast game show to play. Might be the only podcast game I show, but I'm going to tell anybody that. <laughs> So the first story we're going to talk about comes out of Wyoming. The Senate in Wyoming has passed a bill that made eluding police a felony. So this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with putting police in a, I guess a little bit, putting police in a different class, a crime just because of eluding a police officer. So essentially, you know, if say you're getting pulled over, if you don't feel safe where you're getting pulled over, if you want to drive to an area where there's light, if you wanna, if you're close to your home, you want to pull in your driveway. You could technically now in Wyoming be charged with a felony for doing this. So I questioned you, Mark. Should this be a felony simply for eluding police? Could this be abused by law enforcement? Uh, Well... The simple answers are no and
0: yes to those questions, but I, I do think that it's maybe a little more complicated because when I first saw the bill, I obviously probably had the same – or when I first saw the headline, I probably had the same reaction you did as, oh, God, this is so stupid, and maybe it is. But it does say that you know it's, it's about being a felony if a driver tries to elude a police officer and drives recklessly then it's further enhanced if there's actually an injury or property damage. I don't again, I don't know think you need a special law for this. You're not allowed to harm people and you're you're already gonna be in trouble if you injure someone or cause property damage. But I do think that this can be kind of a dicey one for libertarians because we automatically want to just get angry at any kind of legislation, not legislation, but even just basic rules on the road. But I mean, I think that, I mean, I've seen, especially out here in Los Angeles, we have high speed police changes all the time. They are dangerous. They should not occur. Now we might say that a lot of the reasons they occur is because of the police using uh, their role for, for revenue generation and ultimately for enforcing victimless crimes like the drug war and all that stuff. Um, And just blanketly putting out a law here for reckless driving, like I said, can easily be abused. A guy can just be like, well, I was just, in his mind, he was just pulling around the corner to get to a safe spot. But if a cop decides to reference this law and say, oh, no, he was eluding me by pulling around the corner, he was trying to get away. I can totally see how this would be abused. So I, I do, at the end of the day, think this law is unnecessary and not needed. But, you know, I do think that if someone is driving recklessly and even if they don't hurt someone, there might be a situation where you know, even in a private society – again, we can go back to our, our private property, libertarian utopia. Uh, those roads are going to be owned by somebody, and then there's probably going to be owners of those roads that want rules saying that you can't drive recklessly. So I'm not really against the concept that driving recklessly should be maybe illegal in some form, maybe illegal in terms of an infraction on your license, uh, a felony. I think that's going a little too far.
1: Way too far. I definitely agree with you. Say if in libertarian utopia, I owned a road, you know, at the end of the day that if people died on that road, that could come back to exactly. me. So I might put some rules in place that would monitor and try to minimize, mitigate reckless driving. So I, I didn't really have a problem with the, I guess the problem I have with this law from that aspect is there's already rec- laws against reckless driving. I believe in Wyoming, there are in, in right, many sure. states. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure really why it it's It does needed. kind of seem like
0: another layer of, I guess, the Blue Lives Matter police protection thing. This is more special now because it's, a, a you know, a officers involved. And really, a lot of the problem, I think, in reckless driving are the officer. You know, you see one guy trying to get away. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe at some point you take his license down and you decide you're going to get, go get him later. I don't know. Do you need like seven cars racing after a guy for who you don't even know why you're chasing half the time? Maybe, there, maybe there's an, an overwhelming police response to this too much sometimes, you know?
1: That's exactly. I was going to say the exact same thing. Have we reached a point with technology? And you, I mean, you can criticize police officers and the way they use technology now, but that's not to say that in the future, in a more free society, we can't use technology in a way that is more responsible and stop doing stupid police chases. Let's get the license plate. You know what? It, people have things against drones. Let's put a drone up in the air. Let's follow that follow that car with a drone. I mean, it's there's other ways that could really. Stop from putting so much property and other people's I mean, lives at risk. There's like, there's a reason I've seen all these police chases. Is because
0: there's a, a helicopter following them. Like, can't we just hook up with that helicopter? Yeah. Follow. We really need seven police cars, you know, going at ninety miles per hour around the streets of Los Angeles. As I've seen many, many times, those police cars are also driving recklessly. I should add, they're driving recklessly to get someone who's
1: driving recklessly. It's, it's quite ironic. Yeah. It's a catch 22. So we got time for one more quick. Right. Is this a crime? I want to move on. We're going to talk about uh, this one is from Maine. And the governor in Maine, Paul LePage, he has said that he wants to end welfare for people with drug felonies. Now, in most states, I think there's four or five states where the state actually steps in and does drug testing for people with drug felonies to allow them to have welfare. In most states, you can't get welfare if you have a, a past drug felony. So what this governor, LePage, wants to do, he wants to end that and he wants to replace it with some suspicion-based testing. Who knows what that really even means. This isn't a, uh, a written law. This is a, more like a, a law that they're thinking about proposing. I don't think it's been voted on yet. But there's a couple of interesting aspects here. Keep in mind that the state of Maine, this is a state that just legalized recreational marijuana, so I can't imagine that they would be testing for marijuana as it's illegal drug. But maybe they would be. Maybe that's something they would I mean, still. They could
0: still say this is federally illegal and we're going to treat it as such. I mean, I've seen states do crazier
1: things. That's true. The other thing is what they want to do is go. So anyone who has a drug felony after 1996. They would not be able to get welfare from the state of Maine, which as a libertarian, I guess this is sort of a complicated issue because as a libertarian myself, I'm not in favor of welfare. I don't think the state should be looting people to pay out welfare. But at the same time, I'm against the war on drugs. So there's a lot of people out there who think it's common sense that if the state's going to be giving out welfare payments, then they should be drug testing everybody or drug testing people who they think, I guess this is that suspicion-based drug testing. I guess this, this is that, who they think might be using drugs. They would just drug test them. At the end of the day, if you're going to have a, a law like that, if you're going to give out welfare to anybody, shouldn't it be equal? I mean, why discriminate against somebody who's using drugs or somebody who's using alcohol or somebody who's smoking cigarettes? I can see somebody who's eating fast food every day. I disagree
0: day. with it, but I can see the argument in, for, in states that people say like – you know they do drug testing for all welfare recipients because they don't want that welfare money going to drugs I don't agree with that argument but I, I understand it this one I don't even really understand because we're talking about the past now they're also talking about involving drug testing as well but they're also saying if you ever if you were convicted of a felony in the past you might not have yet used drugs for 20 years so again we might be against the welfare system but it should be applied equally and I don't think they should you know end it if you want to end it or and the other aspect of this, hey, how about uh, every company in Maine that's getting any tax subsidy from the government? Why aren't they subject to this? Shouldn't uh, all the CEOs be tested for cocaine or uh, anyone who owns a Ferrari? That's kind of suspicious because they're rich, so they might use cocaine. So maybe we should test them too. And I don't like that they're, you're basically targeting Vulnerable people, people with past drug convictions, people that might have you know a tough time in their life. You're targeting their welfare, which is really, in the grand scheme of things, probably very minimal compared to the massive welfare that politicians get. Uh, is, is Governor LePage going to get tested? I mean, I don't know. He looks like he might have smoked some weed and ate, ate too many brownies. Where does this end? Why are we only specifically targeting very poor people who make up a very small portion of government welfare if we're really going to break down all aspects that government provides welfare to corporations and connected companies and that kind of thing?
1: I agree with you. Let's just get rid of welfare. Let's just get rid of drug testing. But get rid of the corporate and welfare, let's like welfare first. The free market uh, I it might, out. Some
0: libertarians might not like me because I don't always say I hate welfare. I mean, I don't like the concept of it, but it's the last thing I would take away. Let's yeah. free the economy first. Let's stop subsidizing corporations. Let's stop over-regulating everyone, and then step one thousand three hundred seventy-two right before full libertarian utopia. Then we can end the welfare. How about
1: that? Yeah. When when I run for Congress in twenty twenty-six, my slogan's not going to be end welfare. <laughs> right. 2026, that's uh, 10 years away. I, I came up with a right? slogan the other
0: day. I just don't know if it'll get popular, but it does fit the catchy mold. Regulations kill. That's my slogan.
1: I like that's it. That's my slogan.
0: I like it might it. not be for a I campaign, Trump... but it's, it's for something.
1: I think Trump would probably steal that from me if he heard it. I'll tweet it to him. There you go. You, you might become famous. I'll retweet it and then uh, huge. you'll be famous. Next thing point. you know,
0: I'm, I'm, the, be huge. I'm the secretary of something
1: rather. <laughs> secretary of liberty. Secretary of regulation. Death. secretary of liberty <laughs> all right man well we're out of time here for the day before i send you all on your way i do have a couple notes i want to talk about if you guys like this podcast if you like listening to us rant about some felonies if you had some ideas on some felonies you'd like us to rant about or if you have some guests you'd like me to have on you can always reach me at felony Friday at lions dot com As Mark talked about earlier, we do have our Lions of Liberty Forum as well. You can reach out to us there on Facebook. Just put Lions of Liberty Forum in that search bar at the top, and you can join the Lions of Liberty Forum. Also, a great way, a big way you can help us out, probably the best way is by going to iTunes, even if you don't listen on iTunes. But if you do listen on iTunes, definitely do it because it's super easy. Go on and please give us a five-star rating. Leave us a little review. It really helps us out with all the tricky algorithms they have on the iTunes rankings ratings chart thing and can help us to move up in that and reach more ears, which will help us to grow the show, which is the reason why we do this. So uh, I guess that's all I have. And I just do want to mention again, the Alliance of Liberty store that we launched. We're selling three different t-shirt designs right now. We're going to have a lot more things to come. Um, there's lots of different you know ways you can get it. We have a three quarter length shirt. We have both men's and women's shirts. We have some long sleeve shirts. So be sure to check that out. All the proceeds go right back into this year' Lions of Liberty show. Uh, they're going to help us to ramp up, grow the show, and keep providing you great content. So, Mark, any parting words?
0: Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I just want to encourage everyone, obviously. To listen to the show every day, but be sure to tune in this Monday when I'll have you on the program, as well as our other co-founder of the podcast here, Brian McWilliams, and we will be uh, having a little good old-fashioned libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor roundtable. We haven't done one of those in a while, and uh, we'll also have a special announcement about ways people out there can further help contribute to this podcast and help us grow. In addition to, of course, going and buying t-shirts. So spend your weekend buying t-shirts from our Liberty Store, and then tune in on Monday, and uh, you'll you'll. Have everything you need to know about how you can help us grow here at Lions of Liberty, as we promised in, in the very first show this new year, and we are delivering.
1: Yeah, we're ramping things up. We're fully on board, we're fully committed. We are ramping up the Lions of Liberty podcast, and uh, we want you to be a part of it. So, yeah, buy some t shirts. That's it for today, guys. I really wanted to thank you once again for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of Liberty burning.